If you jump online at the moment, or if you follow any kind of church or ministry, or maybe you're visiting from somewhere else around the world at the moment, and you've kind of tuned in to us, chances are you have seen, or it kind of feels like, everyone everywhere in any church is in the middle of a fast. And if they're not in the middle of a fast, they're at the start of a fast, or they're at the end of a fast, and they're very hungry. And it feels like, you know, just everywhere you look, everyone is fasting. They're doing a 7-day, a 14-day, 21, 28, all numeric, you know, divisible by 7. That's important Uh, for every fast. That's a joke. Um, But everybody's doing it. It's not because there is a shortage of after-church cookies and we need to give them a chance to kind of restock. It's not because uh, every church around the world gets together and we have a planning meeting and there's a calendar that we all have to, like, we, we slot it in at the same time. But every year in our church, we come to and we start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And maybe as it rolls around, your eyes roll around because it's just like, do we have to do this again? Right? It's just, it feels like it's just one of those things that is just a spiritual do-good thing that every church has to do. Can I tell you that we enter into this season every year prayerfully because we truthfully don't want to put anything on you. It's not because we want our church calendar to feel more full. It's because we truly believe that in times of prayer and fasting, of concentrated attention on Jesus, He begins to move in our midst. And we don't want anything to be put on you, but we really believe God wants to do something in you in this season. And what I want to do today is is come to you around at the beginning of this prayer and fasting time and encourage you that really we we have a hope for you during this season. We have a prayer for you. What we are believing for, for you, is not just that our church, this church, the church, would get bigger, do better. It's because we really believe, we have faith to believe that in this season, God wants to, in you, begin to build up your faith. He wants to pour into your hearts a greater revelation of Jesus. And He wants to bring about a freedom and transformation in your life like you have never seen before. And I believe that in this 21 days that we're about to enter into, which if you're kind of new to church, you're figuring this whole thing out, we just take three weeks to turn our attention and affection intentionally to God. And in this time that our hunger for Him would begin to grow. And the reason that we do that is because I am convinced, convinced that the purposes of God in your life, in our church, in our city, are so much better, are so much bigger, are so much greater than you could ever imagine. How many people believe that? That God's plans and purposes for your life are better than you could imagine. Can I tell you, I I think sometimes we come into a church environment and we think that that, that we can come up with a better plan for our life than, than He can. But it says this in Ephesians 3, it says, Now to Him who is able to do more, than all, than all we could ever ask or think according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. 
Our Jesus' plans for your life are better than you could ever imagine. Jesus' plans and purposes and ability to do in your life goes way beyond you could ever ask. And I noticed something in this, that it says, Now to him who is able to do more than you could ask or think, there is there's something at play here. It says that the doing, the ability is on him. The asking and thinking is on us. And this season that we are about to enter into is a season for us to ask and think big things. I'm going to need you to wake up a little. God's plans for your life are bigger and better than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. He has good plans. I think it's time for us. I know it's raining. I know it's wet. I know it's just like, what on earth is going on? The service is all out of whack. I get it. Let's just take a minute. We're up to the talking bit. God has good plans for your life. And I think that's worth getting excited about, especially because the doing and ability is not on you. That's on Him. The asking and the thinking, that's our part. And what we want to do together for 21 days is put our focused energy and attention into asking and thinking big things. So that God can begin to do more than all of that. But I know that there are days that the asking and the thinking that we are invited into can be a stretch. Right? I mean, all of us have those days, all of us have those moments that the asking feels kind of dry. Right? In our prayer life, it feels like trying to enter into that place of, of really faith-filled prayers. You know, those, those kind of prayers that you, you, you want to move about for. Feels hard to come by. Anybody ever had that? Where your prayer life, it just feels like it's a struggle. Maybe you're thinking can be distracted. It's like, I'm going to have a time with God and your mind begins to wander. Anybody ever had that? Everyone ever, right? When it, in those times, like God is able to do more than you could ever ask or think. There are times though that the asking and the thinking feels hard, right? And so what uh, scripture does for us though, it knows us. It's not surprised that the asking and thinking at times can be difficult. So what scripture gives us is a means to fight that lethargy and distraction. It gives us a means to refire our prayer life, to train our body, mind, and spirit, and meet us when we feel spiritually dry. When it feels like our walk with Jesus, our first love has grown dull, scripture gives us a means to refire the spirit to do what Paul tells Timothy to breathe into life that which is in you scripture gives us a way that is modeled and taught by Jesus and it is called fasting which if you've ever done it you know it doesn't feel like that (laughs) never had a quick fast that thing feels long and it's tough right fasting no one wants to talk about fasting I don't like talking about fasting. In fact, fasting is tough because primarily I really love food. One of my favorite scriptures is that it says that Jesus came eating and drinking. I can get on board with that. 
Right? He's like, Jesus, and we love to talk about that in church. We love to talk about the fact that Jesus, he'd sit around tables and he'd eat and he'd sit and he'd have these big banquets. And we're like, I can get on board with that kind of Jesus. Jesus came feasting. And it's like, I love that. But he also came fasting. There are two primary ways that Jesus invites us into a means of grace when it comes to the way that we eat and inhabit our body. One is through feasting. The other, however, is through fasting. And in this means, Jesus begins to show us and he gives us an example to follow. And for those of us who follow Jesus, who have given our lives to Jesus, our primary responsibility is to learn to inhabit the life that he lived so that we can begin to see his life flow in us. And so we love, we love feasting, but we also came fasting. But fasting, if we're honest, has become the unpopular kid in the toolkit of spiritual disciplines. No one's like, oh man, what is, it's like, you got a challenge? It's like, yeah, fast, let's go. No one's reaching for fasting first, right? It's like, fasting's not on Spotify. <laughs> fasting isn't a goosebump moment. Fasting, like, it's like, hey, let's get together and have, you know, a fasting meeting. <laughs> That's dull. <laughs> get together, kind of stare at a cheese board, see who breaks first. It's tough. Fasting isn't the most popular kid, but Jesus exampled, modeled, and taught on fasting. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks to us and he says to his followers, when you fast. You see, he doesn't say, if you fast. Jesus, he proceeds with the idea that his followers fast. He he. he doesn't command that you have to, but when it comes to the, the, the idea, there are no biblical laws, especially New Testament laws, that command regular fasting. However, our freedom, when it comes to the gospel, does not mean license, it means opportunity. Just because Jesus doesn't say, you have to fast, he proceeds with the idea that his followers will regularly engage in fasting. You don't have to, but there is the opportunity for you to do He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Friends, can I tell you that this period of fasting, we don't do it to just keep up with the other churches. This isn't religious posturing. Fasting, taking a time out of your normal Regular scheduling to fast is not religious posturing just so that you can look like you're keeping up with the spiritual elites around you. We don't have 21 days of prayer and fasting so that we can look to the other churches like we're as spiritual as they are. No, no, Jesus is like, don't do this. This is not religious posturing. In fact, it's not a matter of looking pious. In fact, the reason that we do this has nothing to do with anyone else says this has got nothing to do, because he's talking, in, in, in antiquity, the Pharisees and the religious people, they would always fast on market day. They'd make sure that there was a crowd around, and then they would throw some dirt in their hair. Look like me when I'm going to Bunnings, just kind of rub some dirt in my hands, it's like, I belong here. I got a callus, don't want to talk about it. But, so they would, they would, they would really look like, oh man, 
I'd love to, love to buy some stuff, but I can't fasting. So, sorry about that. You know, really spiritual. Says, don't do that. Why? Because just appearing spiritual will be your full reward. If that's all you're after, and friends, can I tell you, if you are here, if this whole Jesus God thing to you is just about appearing like you have it all together, go for it fast. Make it known to everybody that you're doing it. But you will get all that you're after. But Jesus says, no, 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 there is something so much better than just the appearance of power. There is an authentic power available to you if you participate in the way that I have designed it. He says, don't do that. They've received their reward in full when you fast. Put oil on your head, thank you, Aesop, and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. No, he says, no, no, no. If all you're after is just the appearance of spiritual power, go for it. But there is an authentic, there is a real thing. There is a reward for those who seek me in this way. He says that there is a gift in fasting. And so today, as we kick off these 21 days of prayer and fasting, I want to talk to you about the power of fasting, the reward that is in fasting. Not so that you feel like you have to do this, but as a way to equip you to participate. You want to do it during this period? Go for it. You want to do it at a time that suits you better? Amazing. I want to just tell you that there is a reward for those who seek God in this way. So I want to talk to you this morning about the power of fasting. John Wesley says this, that some people have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, while us, whilst others have utterly disregarded it. To say it another way, people have over-exaggerated and underutilized this spiritual discipline to the point that it has lost all meaning. And yet Jesus says, when you fast, if you fast in this way, there is a reward for those who seek me like this. Friends, there is nothing magical about fasting, but there is something biblical. Fasting is not magical. Fasting is not this thing that it's like I can strong arm God into getting what I want. Fasting is not doing something so spiritual that God's so impressed that he just hands you a little reward. It's like a sticker chart that you get at the end of the day. It's like, how many meals did he just... Well, <laughs> there's three miracles. No, 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 fasting is not magical. It is biblical. There is a reward for those who seek Him in this way. In fact, throughout Scripture, the who's who of Bible heroes fast from Moses to Joshua to David to Esther to Ezra. We see the the who's who, the great hall of faith. These people would regularly engage in fasting. Jesus Himself begins His public ministry with 40 days and nights of fasting. And in turn, his disciples would regularly fast. Paul then and Barnabas in the book of Acts would turn to fasting as a means to direct their attention and affection on God and see him come through. It gives us all through from the very start to the very end a picture of followers of 
Jesus, those who are God's people, give a picture of regular, private, whether that's a one or two day a week fasting, or corporate, that doesn't mean it's like a business. I heard somebody recently say they they saw that there was a corporate prayer meeting, and they thought it was just for the people that were in business. Okay, so a corporate, it just means all of us. Um, Okay, they would call these corporate, oh man, now I've just got a picture of people not eating and handing out their business cards. Um, It's not that. A corporate fast is where the whole group of people would get together and they would put aside food so that they could take a hold of God. It gives us a picture of, of regular and corporate fasting. In other words, there is a rhythm of fasting and there is a response of fasting. There is just regularly training your heart, soul, and body to seek God in this way. And then there are those moments in life, those sacred moments that it feels like you just need God to come through. Whether you need a, an answer for something, you need His His power to step into your world. There are a, There is a rhythm of fasting and there is a response of fasting. And throughout Scripture, there is this picture of people regularly engaging. Esther, when there was a threat of genocide, she calls the nation of Israel to fast. Esther, when Ezra is about to make a trek back with more money than we could ever imagine, he says, I don't need an army to protect me, I just need our people to fast. He goes on a journey and God protects the nation of Israel as they make the way back to Jerusalem. We see the early church fathers, John Wesley. In fact, he expected his pastors to fast twice a week. And fasting was central to all the followers of Jesus right up until around the Enlightenment. That period in the 17th century as the, the, the main thrust of thought was that most of life comes from just the way that we think. And it disembodied our spirituality to just having quiet times kind of rejected the idea that our whole body is involved in our worship of God and it made it just a cerebral passion. And so then for the next 200 years, fasting became the unpopular kid in the Christian toolkit. You ask around, you look at fasting now, you'll probably hit with a barrage of wellness and fitness gurus spruiking, you know, the the benefits, the health benefits, the gut benefits. Everything's got to do with gut these days and wellness. I'd, I'd never heard the term wellness until recently, and it's just everywhere. Everything is wellness. But, it, but you're more likely to find information about fasting from these people rather than hear anything on the Christian approach of fasting. And yet, fasting throughout Scripture, throughout church history, remains one of the most essential and effective practices of followers of Jesus. And so what is it? What is Fasting. If you've never done this, if, if this is new news to you, watch out. This is going to be bitterly disappointing. What is fasting? It's not eating. Yeah. Whoa. Give this guy the mic. Um, generally, simply, it is not eating food for a set period of time. In Christianity, in Scripture, it is... A way of putting off the physical to take hold of the spiritual. It's to redirect our physical appetites on the one who we truly know will sustain us. It's to forego feeding ourselves and allow God to feed us himself. 
It is to redirect our appetites and direct them to be focused on Jesus. And it's a way of Christians, of followers of Jesus, to, with our whole self, body, mind, and spirit, to attend to God. Because if you've ever fasted, you will know it affects everything. It's not just your body feels hungry, your, your, your mind is just like, give me food. Your spirit becomes, it begins looking for something. And in fasting, by stepping away from that physical, our, our, our physical hungers and directing them to God, we say to our whole selves, He and He alone sustains me. He and He alone fulfills me. And all through scripture, it is accompanied by prayer. It is always done in faith. This is what splits it from a diet. This is what makes it different from a hunger strike. You can, you can intermittent fast all day long. Um, but unless it is done in faith and accompanied by, fear, it, it, uh, by faith, it's a diet. Fasting is a means of putting off physically to take a hold of spiritually, and it is always done in faith. Because here's the reason. The primary purpose of fasting is to seek Him. The primary purpose, followers of Jesus, fast is to seek Him. Let me read this from Mark 2, verse 18 to 20. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. They were hangry. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? In other words, we are sick of their attitude. Why have they got to do it and yours aren't? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot. So long as they have him with them. The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. People come up, they say, why why don't your disciples fast? John's disciples, the Pharisees, they're fasting. Why are they fasting? Because they are looking for God. They're seeking God. They're looking for something, for someone. And Jesus says, the thing that they are putting away to take a hold of, the thing that they're looking for, it's me. The The reason that they're fasting, the reason that they're doing all of that is to have me and I'm here right now. But there's going to be a moment that comes that I'm lifted up and I ascend into heaven and I'm not going to be with them. And in that day, they will fast. Why? To have me. The reason that we fast is not just to kind of procure miracles, though there is a reward. The reason that we fast, the reason that we do this is not for any other reason, but primarily to align our whole selves around the presence of Him. To say that He is what I desire. He is what I'm looking for. Jesus is the one that my whole self looks for. Fasting is a kingdom way of aligning our whole selves with Jesus, with His way. To align ourselves with His power, His victory. But most of all, the reason that we fast is to seek Him. Richard Foster says that all fasts are God-initiated, God-ordained, God-worshipping, God-serving. They are to give ourselves wholly to Him so that we can receive Him in return. The reason that we fast is to fix our whole selves on Him 
and his presence. It aligns our lives centered and fixed on him and his kingdom. And what's amazing, I don't know if you've experienced this, if you've fasted for any length of time, what I've discovered when I fix myself on him and his presence, things in me begin to bubble up very quick. See, God isn't just interested in us fasting and doing all of these things to be with him just because he's lonely. No, because he knows that when we have him, we have everything our deepest selves are looking for. So if you will find me, you'll find in my presence the fullness of joy. You'll find hope beyond compare. You'll find a peace that goes beyond all understanding. If you have me, you have what you are looking for. We fix ourselves around him. And when we do that, when I step into God's presence, when I fast, when I put aside those appetites that usually control me, and I say, you and you alone, Jesus, is what my heart is fixed on in this moment. It's crazy how fast things begin to bubble up inside me. Because how many people know that which is not of God cannot stand in the presence of God? Very quickly, things like anger, very quickly. <laughs> Anger. Very quickly, greed. Very quickly, unforgiveness. These things, the Holy Spirit begins to highlight inside me when I fix myself on His presence. Things that are not of God begin to bubble up inside me. And God says, this is, this is something that I'm trying to bring out of you. This is something that I want to free you of. This is something that I want to see my kingdom at work as a healing balm to press onto And in his presence, he begins to do his kingdom work inside us. There is nothing magical about a fast. What fasting does is it positions us in the presence of God. And to him who is able to do the ability, the doing, him, he goes to work inside me. And it begins to transform me from the inside out. It positions us. God in Christ has already done the heavy lifting. It says in Romans 12, 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What is he saying? That it's all of this, anything that you do, this is not works to earn the favor of God. But in response to his loving mercy, In response to what he's done, fix yourselves on him. Fix yourselves on him. And when we do that, he begins to go to work inside us. When our life is consumed with the hunger, desire for the giver and not just the gift, we begin to experience the fullness of his presence in our lives like never before. It begins to accelerate so much in our lives. And and so if the purpose of fasting is him, God's not selfish. He's not just like, do this, and it's, it's just, I get you and you get me. No, no, no. He, he's so generous. Our God is so good and so unfathomably generous that he's like, hey, you get me, but there's also rewards to this. He says, there is a reward. God rewards those who do this in secret. What, is it? what, what are some of these rewards? When we fast, fasting amplifies the voice of God in our lives. First thing it does, the first thing, it begins to amplify the voice of God in our lives. 
Throughout scripture, when the nation of Israel needed a, a direction, a decision, some, some way of navigating a tricky moment, sometimes if people are just navigating between a good and a wise decision, you need something better than just quality decision making. You need discernment. And can I tell you, when you fast, God's voice is amplified in your spirit and you, you place yourself in a position to hear him clearer than you would any other time. Have you ever answered your phone in a very public place? Like, and it's just so loud. And you're just like, you just can't hear anything. And so you, you, you just kind of like you're pressing your ear. And it's like there's every other voice going. And the person on the other end can hardly hear you because it's just noise. Just noise. Everywhere it's just noise. It's echoing. There's a noise. And then the noise bounces off a wall. And there's more noise that comes back. It's just noise everywhere. You answer the phone. And you can't really make out what they're saying. So what do you do? You go into another room and you close the door. You find a way to get yourself into a place of quiet. What fasting does is it shuts out so much of the noise in our soul. It positions us to get away from everything that is competing for our attention and affection. And it closes the door. And in that way, does God shout louder when you fast? No. But can you hear him clearer? Yeah. Fasting amplifies his voice. Friends, do you need discernment? At the moment, are you in a moment that you are just like, I just need to figure out what I'm doing next. It's the start of a new year. Everybody right now is trying to figure out what the next 12 months are going to look like. We're trying to figure out what is it that I'm really going to pursue in my life. Can I tell you, can I encourage you? You don't have to fast the whole time. Skip a meal. Just get yourself in a place that you just can put something away and just say, God, I'm giving you all of me. I need you to speak into my spirit. I've found when I'm fasting, the word of God pours revelation into my heart, unlike any other time in my walk with him. When I open the Bible in the morning, when I'm fasting, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me. It begins to make clear my identity in him. I mean, it's not just God telling you which way to go, though he does that. He begins to speak clearly to you the truths that are found in his word. The truth that is about you. If you're here and it's just like, I just feel like I don't know who I am. Can I encourage you? Give God room to speak to you. And in that place, he'll begin to tell you the truest things about you. That you are wholly his. That you are in the beloved. That you have been created with a purpose for a purpose. That before you were formed, God had an intentional plan and a delight to bring you into this world. So that you could love him. That you could love the life that he has given you. There is an identity that is found when God begins to speak to you. And if you are struggling to hear it, make room. Just make room. Begins to speak about my calling. He begins to talk to me and comfort me when it feels like I, I just I don't have anything left. He begins to comfort my soul. He begins to speak in in and through me in the prophetic. Every one of us needs to learn to live a lifestyle where we are surrounded by people bringing the word of God to life through the prophetic. And in fasting, he begins to speak to us and reveal his word in new and applicable ways. It accelerates, it amplifies the voice of God. He speaks to me about opportunities to step into. Which brings me to the second thing that happened. It activates our faith. 
Fasting activates our faith. When the nation of Israel had just been belted. 40,000 Israelites had been lost over two days in a battle against the Benjamites. Joshua called for a corporate fast. They prayed and fasted from sunup to sundown. And God brought to them a victory that otherwise they would never have seen accomplished. Prayer and fasting begins to activate our faith. Why? Not because God is just like, I'm giving treats for those that do spiritual activity. No, when we lay everything aside and say, it's you alone that sustains me. The faith in us. Faith is a gift, friend. When we put it all aside, faith in us, our realization of the bigness, the sovereignty and the goodness of God begins to expand in our spirit and we can begin to step out ever more boldly. And when we do that, God steps in. Fasting activates our faith. There is a story of Jesus meeting up with or his disciples coming across a man whose son is demon afflicted and, and he's throwing himself into a fire. And so the disciples try and pray for this young man and, and they do everything they can and nothing seems to happen. And then Jesus comes in and speaks and the demon flees. Father, his concern in that moment is with the, like the, the demonic, the oppression of his child. You know what Jesus speaks to his disciples about in that moment? They said, why couldn't we do this thing? Why is it that you could and we couldn't? You know what Jesus talks to them about? Not about how to kind of like ninja, like... He says, you got faith the size of mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to take a hike. Go for a swim. Jesus talks to them about unbelief. You know what he says then? He says, this only comes about through prayer and fasting. Fasting unlocks and accelerates our faith and belief in Him. It goes to work and unlocks an, an unbelievable faith that God can do the unimaginable. The story of Jesus, 40 days in the wilderness. I always hear this story told as though the devil came and tempted Jesus at his weakest. But I believe with everything in me as Jesus teaches about what fasting does. Jesus was not at his weakest. Maybe he was physically, but he was at his strongest in his spirit. It's like, oh, he came when Jesus was down and out. No, no, Jesus was filled with the spirit of God. Jesus was full of faith. Jesus was fully alive because he had spent 40 days and 40 nights doing nothing but feasting on God. Friends, fasting is not just not eating. Fasting is feasting on God. It's saying, I want all that you have for me. But you've got to hear this. Fasting is not a hunger strike that just demands God works. What it is, is it, it lifts our faith and we stand. You know what fasting does? It makes you weak. And in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. You want to know, it's like, oh, wow, what's fasting do? It's going to make you weak. Can I encourage you, if you are fasting, especially for any length of time, don't try and do a lot of physical exercise. Be okay with the fact that right now I'm physically not at my strongest, but my spirit is mighty. Fasting makes you weak so that his strength can be made perfect in you. It's not a magic pill to solve your problems. What it does is it places you with an absolute dependence on his ability to sustain you. 
That's just how wild His grace and goodness is in our lives. It humbles us to receive. It says this in Hebrews 12, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. St. Basil the Great speaks of fasting. He says, fasting gives birth to prophets. She strengthens the powerful. Fasting makes lawgivers wise. She is a safeguard for the soul, a steadfast champion for the body, a weapon for the brave, and a discipline for champions. Fasting positions us to receive all that God has for us. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Very practical. And then I'll finish. Fasting, there are four kinds of fasts that we would encourage you to participate in over these next 21 days. First fast is very simply fast. We'll call it a full fast. It's going without food for a set period of time. Can I encourage you, if you've not fasted before, start small. If you have a relationship with food that has had ongoing consequences in your life, seek a counselor, seek a therapist, seek a doctor before you try and do any of this. But go without food for a set period of time. Maybe it's just a day. Maybe it's two or three. But find a way to get rid of the distractions and direct your appetite up to God. There's a full fast. The next is a partial fast, which is... Commonly now, it's called intermittent fasting. It's just not eating during set hours in a day. Maybe do this for a couple of days a week. Then there is a selective fast. We've called, you've probably heard of, maybe you've heard of the Daniel fast. I like to call that the Daniel diet. Um, he ate. Um, but a selective fast. Maybe you just want to put aside certain food groups, things that maybe have just controlled you for a while. Just to, just to really do it, but can I encourage you, that kind of fast, just, let's, I'm just talking off script. I've seen so many times people get so busy trying to figure out what food they're going to eat when they're doing this, they don't have time to pray. You're doing it wrong. If you're doing a selective fast, make it easy. And perhaps, again, if for medical reasons or Lifestyle, whatever, right now, having a food-related fast is not, uh, not wise, not good for you right now. Perhaps consider a soul fast, wherein you do away with things, perhaps like social media, things that in your life have a place in your life that is just unhealthy. Reorder your lives around Jesus for these next 21 days. And just say, God, I'm pushing that aside so that I can take a hold of you. If you want to really dive into this season, we've got a website, 21 days, uh, hopecenter.com forward slash 21 days. We've got uh, prayer guides. We've got a space to uh, sign up for the 24-7 prayer, which is going to be kicking off in a couple of weeks. We've uh, got information about how to fast, information about what to fast, information about what fasting does on the inside, which is basically just this message shorter. Um, but... 21 days, if you want to be part of that, please, please make yourself available to that. But here's, here's what I would recommend when it comes to fasting. There is a reward. Our God says that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So here, here's, if I was to summarize that whole website, here's what I would recommend. When it comes to fasting, start small. Start, start small. Approach it in a way that is sustainable. Start small. But while you do that, pray big. 
Don't just not eat, pray. Take, that, take those hunger pains. Take that frustration about not eating sugar. Direct it to God. Start small. Pray big. And the last thing I would say is get hungry. Here's my question for you this morning. My question really for you, for everyone this morning, is what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for in your, in your life at the deepest part of you? What do you need right now from God? What are you hungry for? If you're here and it's just like, you know what, I, if I'm honest, I'm lacking some spiritual hunger. Can I encourage you? Fast and pray. If you're here and you're just like, I'm so hungry for the presence of God. Fast and pray. Put yourself in a place to take hold of all that he has. And in this as in all matters of spiritual disciplines, as in all matters of what we can do, we can expect God to reward those who diligently seek Him. It will not make Him love us more. It will not make our identity bigger or better. But what it will do is present ourselves in a place to take hold of all that He has for us. What are you hungry for? What can you begin to pray and expect God to do in your life over the next few weeks? If everybody wants to stand across this room. I'm going to invite you to just open your hands right where you're at. And we're just going to take a moment to ask God to direct us in this season. Maybe he's going to bring to your mind things that you should be praying for. Maybe he's going to bring to your mind things that you need his wisdom for. Maybe he's just going to point out some things that it's like, hey, maybe you should uh, not have this so much in your life. We're just going to take a moment and as we do, I believe that the Spirit of God is going to come and speak to you right where you're at. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with everything. And so, Father, Father, as we close this this message, I pray, oh God, I pray, that right now you would begin to speak to every person in this room that is hungering, that is desiring more of you, that right now just maybe needs direction, that right now needs a physical breakthrough in their life, that right now needs freedom from things that have held them captive for so long. God, I pray right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would begin to move and speak and free and heal and begin to direct our attention and affection on you. God, I pray that you would begin to right across this room birth in the hearts of every follower of Jesus a hunger that will begin to consume every part of them. A hunger that says, God, I want you. And in the mighty name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would overwhelm them. Now to Him who is able to do more than all we could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us be glory 
in the church and in the name of Jesus Christ forever and ever.